So I was on a flight very recently, and as we were loading the plane, my parent spidey sense started tingling. And I heard a mother kind of get set up about two rows behind me, and I could just tell she was struggling. You could feel the frustration, like in her voice, and just the noise happening around there. And she had a two-year-old girl with her, assuming her daughter. And she was going solo on this flight with this young girl. And by the time the plane was off the ground and in the air, we had reached a full-blown meltdown situation with this girl. Which any parent in here, if you have lived that experience, you know that is an absolute nightmare, okay? It is a horrible experience because there is nowhere to go, there's nowhere to hide, and you know that there's about 100 plus people that did not pay $250 to listen to your kids scream and cry for two and a half hours. And so this mother, I could hear in the background, she's trying to shove a passy in this girl's mouth, she's offering toys. After a while, she's just like handing her her wallet and just being like, I'll pay you anything, just stop. And if you found this out yourself, you know that there is just no negotiating with terrorists, even if they're your kid. Like, there's no getting out of this situation. And these are humbling moments because this lady's a full-blown adult. Maybe she's got a college degree. She's living her life. And yet, she's got no control over this two-year-old girl. Like, this girl is just running things on this plane. And I couldn't help thinking in that seat. I'm like, you know what? That is just how life works sometimes. I'm like, what that lady is experiencing, that is a perfect illustration for life because you can just be going about your business, you're doing your thing, you got a handle on your life, and then it all goes sideways. You know, it's, it's just like a Tuesday and you're driving to work and then your car just makes a weird sound and before you know it, you're on the side of the road and your whole life becomes about, I can't even get anywhere until I get this car fixed. Like you're just stranded. Your plans have changed completely. I sometimes laugh because every once in a while we'll have like an internet problem, like even in the building here. And you can't do anything without internet these days. Have you noticed that? I mean, you're totally helpless. I'm like, well, I guess the whole day is over because I can't do any work without internet. It's crazy. You're just totally helpless. I called a friend of mine just a few weeks ago, just catching up with him. And he just sounded strange when he picked up. He just sounded off. And I said, dude, what's going on? He said, well, I'm in the hospital right now. I was like, hospital? He's like, I just had a heart attack. And this guy is super healthy, you know, stays on top of his fitness, has all the right vital signs. And in that moment, it became evident that he doesn't have all the control even over his own body and health that he would want to. Nicole and I lived in Indianapolis for a couple of years, and we had some neighbors, you know, that were some good friends we got close to. One weekend, the guy goes on a hunting trip, and he's just going off to do his thing. And that weekend, he got home and found that his wife had moved all of her stuff out and left him. Now, this guy wanted to make it work. He had all the desires in the world, but he could not ultimately control the decisions that his wife wanted to make. I think about just the moment we're at just in our world and our culture right now. Think about how many innocent civilians are in places like Ukraine or Israel or Palestine right now who have lost total control of their lives. I mean, they have no idea where the next meal is coming from. They, they, they don't know where they're going to live. The future is so uncertain and unclear for them. They've got no control. Every single person in here, you want to feel like you have your hands on the steering wheel of your lives and it's going to go in the direction you actually steer it. And then there are those moments and seasons in your life where the direction of your life goes in the total opposite way you actually want it to. And you realize you don't have nearly as much control over your life as you thought or even hoped for. 
If you are just joining us today, this whole fall season, we're going through a letter called James. It's in the Bible. And it's named after the guy who wrote it, this guy named James, in the first century. And today, we're going to look at a little section of this letter where James is going to speak to some of our control issues. All right, the type A people in this room, you're going to love this sermon, all right? I'm going to set some of the type A folk for free today. But we're going to see what James has to say about just the control and the plans we have for our lives and how things actually work and how God can engage in some of those plans as well. So let's dig into it. We're going to be in James chapter 4. Starting in verse 13, let's see what he says. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So I'm sure we probably got some planners in the room right now. My calendar folk, the color coders, the list makers. Some of you guys have a real dysfunction where you already did the thing, but then you write it down so you can cross it off and just get that satisfaction, okay? There's something wrong with you, okay, if you do that. James is talking about plans today. And he is not saying that there's something wrong with planning in and of itself. You read through the Bible, it has so much to say about making good plans and being on top of your life. So James is not saying you shouldn't be planning for your future. He's saying you should not put all of your hope and your confidence in your plans. And he's going to speak against a particular temptation that we all have on some level. And James is saying, do not fall for the illusion of control. There is a message in our culture. I'm sure you've heard it on some level, in some shape or form. It goes something like this. You can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. You work hard enough, you make the sacrifices, you can attain any dreams, and you can achieve your destiny. And it's, it's kind of like inspiring, right? That's a good message. You can sell that message. And, and it sounds really good. But James is saying, you know what? There's a little bit of nuance there. You see, you think you're the master of your destiny. You think you're pulling all the levers of your life. But if you actually live that way, you're not operating in reality. You're living in an illusion because that's not actually how it works. Now, I actually love living in Colorado. I, I think it's one of the best states to live in. It's expensive. I just call that the lifestyle tax. I think it's a tax worth paying to get the mountains and all of that stuff. And I love Colorado because you get seasons here. All right, I'm a seasons guy. Like in four months, we are going to appreciate warm weather so much. You know what I mean? Once you come out of the winter season, you just love the warm weather that much more. Some people say we only have two seasons here, like hot and cold, and they switch like eight times during the year. But I think we get seasons. We get seasons here. Now, here's where some of you are going to start disconnecting with me. You're going to disagree. One of the things I actually love about Colorado is snowstorms. Crickets, that's what I expected. Crickets, absolute crickets. I had one lady just go, no, in the first service. Just yelled out. I was like, okay, no amens at all. Now, you got to hear me on this. It was, uh, 
about two and a half years ago in March of 2021, we got a snowstorm like this. I took this video right in front of my house while this was going on. So if you guys remember, that was a pretty serious one. I think we ended up getting maybe like close to two feet or something. I mean, it was a legit snowstorm. It was pretty, pretty intense. And by the time the snowstorm was over, I took a picture of my backyard. And just look at the amount of snow right there. That's an electrical box in the backyard. I mean, it was just high. And then it took me two and a half hours just to shovel my driveway because I'm too cheap to own a snowblower. So I shoveled it. I mean, that's a lot of snow. Now, Nicole, my wife, is from Florida. She hates all things cold and snow. This is not her thing, all right? She hates everything about it. But let me make my case about snowstorms, okay? Hear me out. The thing I love about them is when it snows here, especially a big one, it changes the whole dynamic of the entire city. Like, everything just changes because in that moment, everybody's plans are interrupted. Completely. You can't get where you need to go. You can't do what you want to do. And for me, it's like this therapy for my soul. Because I'm reminded in that moment, oh, I don't have nearly as much control as I thought I did. I can't even get out of my driveway right now. You know, I am trapped in my house. So all I can do is shovel, basically. That's the only thing that can get done right now. And there's something that's just like healing to my soul when that happens. I, I can tell I'm losing you guys. You're like, no, Brian, there's nothing about that. That's good. There's a lot of control that you don't have. James says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't have that control that you think you do. And if you place all of your confidence in your ability to guarantee the outcomes in your life, you are going to be very disappointed. You will even be devastated at different times in your life. And so James says, you need to start operating in reality. And the first step to do that, James says, is you must accept what your life is. I'm wondering if you guys remember having this experience maybe as a kid. You would get out of school like right at the end of May, early June, and then you'd have like two and a half months of just wide open space for summer break. I am very anti the all year round school thing. I like my breaks. And... We would take these breaks, but as a kid, I remember the summer breaks feeling like forever. They felt so long. Like, but it was like a 10-year thing as a kid. It was amazing. Now, I'm in full adult mode, and my experience of time is, like, so different. And this is going to make me sound like an old man, but I keep saying this. I'm like, it's already almost Thanksgiving. Like, isn't that so weird? In 2023, like, where has the time even gone? When did this even happen? I had a birthday this last week. I'm like, how did I get this old? I got a kid who's almost seven. I was just in high school. Like, what even happened to my life? Like, one minute, you're drinking Mountain Dew and playing video games, and the next minute, you're, like, trimming your ear hair and taking, like, Epsom salt baths. It's weird. Happens very quick. And I know some of you guys are like, Brian, that's child's play. I got kids your age, all right? I got grandkids almost your age, and I, I respect that, okay? I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm catching up to you. I'm, I'm getting there. But James says, you got to accept what your life is. And you know what your life is? A mist. You see, you're like, well, I got plans, man. I'm going to build that business. I'm going to make that money. I got family. I'm leaving a legacy. I got all these plans. And James says, awesome. You don't know what your life is? That was your life right there. You're like, but no, yeah, but like, I'm going to do all these things and I'm, I'm building a house and like, we're going to get some property. We do all this stuff. It's cool. 
that's you. There's all your plans right there. <laughs> and you see, <laughs> you have to have an appropriate view of your life. Because we like to make all these plans. We have all these ideas of how our life is going to unfold. And James says, you see, there is sometimes a little arrogance to that. You've got to be careful. There can be a little bit of pride. Because you start saying, I'm going to go make that money. I'm going to do that stuff. I'm going to do all these things. He's like, okay, it's not wrong. Just be careful about your attitude. Because you're going to vanish very quickly. You are a puff of smoke in the grand scheme of things. And some of us might hear that and you think, Brian, how depressing. Like, what a downer. How depressing is this? I say, whoa, whoa, hold up. How liberating. Hear me. If this life is all there is, there's nothing else faster, there's nothing else, else coming, then let me tell you this right now. You better squeeze every drop from this tiny lemon that is your life. I mean, you better go get all the experiences. You better go make all the money you can. Why are you even sitting here in church right now? You better go do some stuff. You are wasting your time right now. Like, if that is how it is, you should. But James says, you have to get reality in view for how this really works. You need an eternal perspective on where your life fits into how it all works. And you need to see that there's so much more to your life than you can see through your own eyes. And you need to see that there's so much more beyond this life that is of much greater consequence than this little puff of smoke that is a few short years. And some of these things start to work in your heart when you realize, oh, okay, I was actually made by God. He has a design for your life. He has a will that he actually wants you to live out. And he did not make you to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. He made you to actually be able to rest in the fact that you have a God who is holding the entire universe in his hands. When you start to see things with that kind of view, you are going to be able to break through this next step, which is you will be able to rest in the reality of God's ultimate control. Did you see what James said? He said, you know what your attitude should be? If it's the Lord's will, then we'll live and go do this and that. What an incredible claim. James says, you know, the only reason you're alive is because God wills it. The only reason you're breathing right now is because God wants you alive. Every breath you take is just his grace. And at the same time, Everything that you're going to do, this or that, is meant to be aligned with the very will and heart of God. That's what he wants for you. Now, if you've gone shopping, particularly Home Depot like Lowe's, you've probably seen these kinds of shopping carts outside or whatever. Have you seen these things before? Hopefully, none of you guys are riding in those. I don't think you'd fit. But I'll, I'll see parents sometimes put their kids in like those little driver seat, seats. And what is really funny to me when I see this happen is you can tell on some of these kids' eyes, they have zero doubt that they are actually steering the shopping cart. You can see it in their face. They really believe that they are making the turns and bringing around the corners. And I'll see parents sometimes even play along with it. They'll kind of turn it to make the kids really buy into the whole thing. But all of us know that there is somebody much larger and wiser who is actually determining the direction of that shopping cart. 
They're making sure it's going to get to where it needs to be. And James is saying, you got to understand, God has a will for your life. He has a direction he wants you to take. And this is where some people kind of get a little confused and kind of struggle with it. Because you start asking these questions like, okay, hold up. If God has a whole plan, he knows everything, he's in ultimate control. Am I just like some sort of pre-programmed computer or robot that's just kind of like doing what I'm already supposed to do? Like what kind of choice do I have in this matter? Why? Like, how does it work? And there's kind of a really cool nuance, like a tension in the Bible. If you look at this through the entirety of scripture, on one level, it's very clear that God is sovereign over everything. Nothing is outside of his control or his power. At the same time, we are fully responsible for every single one of our choices and the lives we live. And you see this beautiful dance between our imperfect choices and the perfect will of God. And you'll look at the stories of people throughout scripture where God will actually weave his purposes for individuals and even human history into the middle of the messes we create. And so if you are actually going to live into the purposes God has for you, James says you need to step into the reality of the control he has. And you need to open your hands up to it. You need to realize you have limited visibility. You can't see it all. But there is somebody who can. And his purposes are what will prevail. So the question that many of us often ask about this, well then, what direction should I take? Where should I go? What should I do? And that actually is not the question you should be asking. There's a better question. We should be asking, what does God want to do with my life. At this moment in your life right now, do you have any idea where God maybe is leading you right now in this season? Do you have any clarity of what he wants you to do in your life? Do you have any sense of direction of what God's actual desire and direction is for your life? Because you see, we get caught up in our own plans. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. And we forget that it's God's plans that are ultimately going to prevail. And it's his plans that are actually what are best for us. Some of you in here, God might have something big for you right now. He's trying to direct you towards a move, a change, a pivot in your life. Like he's got something in store. And you need to be listening. Some of us in here, maybe God's got something real subtle for you. He's just whispering to you like, you need to apologize. You need to make that phone call. You need to ask that person out. I don't know what it is, but there is a greater reality at play going on in and around your life. And God wants you to rest knowing that he is the one who has the ultimate control over every single detail of your life. And he wants to guide you your hands are on that wheel, but he is steering the cart. And he wants to get you where you're supposed to be. Now, we've all got control issues in here, every single one of us. We got a death grip on our lives. Now, James is going to turn a little bit here and actually zoom in on one particular area that we usually struggle with when it comes to control. This is what he says 
in chapter 5. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in these last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Now, one thing I really like about going through books of the Bible at different times is it forces us to confront passages like this. You know, we have to push right through it because these are not the ones you pick as a pastor to do on a Sunday, typically. And I want to be as faithful as I can to what James is saying here and to try and capture the heart of that entire section. I believe James is telling us a dysfunctional relationship with reality will lead to a disordered relationship with money. Now, God is not anti-saving. He is not anti-good financial planning. He's not anti-nice things. James says God is anti-unnecessary and excessive accumulation of resources. God is anti-overly extravagant lifestyles that prioritize personal comfort and pleasure over the needs of other people. God is anti-using money in an attempt to protect and preserve your life and guarantee your own security in a way that pushes God out of your life and in a way only God really can. So if you view your life as something only you have total control over, you are going to cling to it in a dysfunctional way. You're going to try and manipulate and influence details of your life that you can't guarantee. You're going to become obsessed with trying to force outcomes in your life because you've decided they need to go that way, not God. And James says you will be tempted to cling to money in a way that can be corrosive to your heart, damaging to other people, and even damning for your soul. Now, why is this a temptation that James thinks is so important to speak to? Why does he hone in on this one area? Well, think about it this way. Money has a very unique dynamic in our lives, unlike anything else. Think about it this way. Every single person in here, you need air, right? Every single one of us. You wouldn't be here right now, right, if you didn't have any air. Not a single person woke up this morning and thought, man, I hope I have enough air today. It's going to be a rough day if I don't get that air that I need. You didn't think that because thankfully air is pretty easy to access. All right. It's everywhere and it's free. All right. Thank the Lord. All right. Now think about water. Water is important too. You can last a little bit longer without water than you can with air, but you absolutely need it. And it's a little bit harder to access than air, but I know there's exceptions to this, but I'm willing to bet every single person in here, there was not a single one that woke up and thought, man, I hope I get enough drinking water today. Otherwise, this is going to be a long, tough deal. No, you probably didn't even think about it. Now think about money. Unless you're the government, you can just print as much as you want. It's not free. It doesn't grow on trees. It's actually very hard to accumulate money. You got to work so hard. You got to grind. You got to invest it well. You got to save. And it's very easy to lose it. 
One single market downturn can erase years and decades of hard work. It's very discouraging. And yet, every single one of us, we need money for the necessities of life. Like, you need it to eat food. You need it to pay for your rent and your mortgage. You need it to get gas for your car. If you run out of money, life gets very hard very quickly. This is just a reality of how things work. It's like air on some level. And so, James is just speaking to this temptation to looking to security and other things outside of God. And he's saying, if you don't have a proper understanding of what your life is and who God is, you are going to cling to things. You're going to have a death grip on some stuff. And he says, what you do with money reveals what you really believe. It's going to reveal where your security really is. Because if God's not in ultimate control, something else needs to be in control. And if it's you... It's on you to make sure you provide all the security you need. You remove all the risks of your life. You insulate yourself from all the bad things that can happen to you. So if you've got a ton of money, you're like, okay, maybe I'll be good. I can make this last, you know, beyond my life. If you're hurting, you're like, this is terrible. I hate my life. And if God is not your source of joy and satisfaction, you need to find it somewhere else. And so money can be your way to access all those joys and pleasures of life. So, this is not a personal budgeting issue. It's not an income issue. James says, this is an eternity issue. We have to feel this for a moment. James says, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Their corrosion, he's talking about finances now, will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. So let's feel this for a moment. A broken relationship with money reveals a broken relationship with God. James says the way we handle money will be like evidence at a case in court. It's going to be exhibit A and be a clear indication of where we actually stand with God and what we actually believe. Now, some of us in here, you hear this, and you're like, Brian, this is why I struggle with Christianity. God sounds mean. He sounds very cranky. <laughs> he sounds like he wants to eat my flesh with fire. What's going on with this kind of verse? My goodness. Well, you know, my kids in the last few weeks um, have accumulated quite a large amount of candy. And some of that is your guys' fault. I'm just going to say that right now. Some of you guys did this, all right? So we're going to have a conversation about that. But my kids right now, the only thing they want to do is just hoard and gorge themselves on this candy. Like, it is their entire life's purpose right now. They want to accumulate as much as they can get. There's no such thing as too much candy, and they just want to fatten themselves up on it. It's all they want to do. And me, as a dad, I'm like, guys... Let's not do that, all right? That's not a good plan, all right? That is not the will I have for you because you're going to have a massive sugar rush and then you're going to crash and it's just going to be a terrible experience. I don't want this. Now, as a dad, I do not enjoy disciplining my children. It's, and it's not fun for me. I don't like bringing consequences on them. And so I warn them ahead of time. Hey, guys, let's avoid this. 
let's just, let's just not go there because I love you. And I'm just telling you right now what's going to happen if this goes a certain way. And we read some of these lines and we say, man, God sounds mad. And you got to say, no, no, no. The reason God gives warnings like this is not to terrify or be a jerk. It's to love. God is trying to prevent consequences. God's heart and desire for you is to avoid unnecessary pain and suffering and experience the joy of living according to his will. That's what he wants for you. God wants you to be free from the stranglehold that you have on your life, from clinging to stuff that you actually can't control, from living in just the anxiety and the worry of all the things that you actually have no idea about that may never happen. And even if they do, you can't control them anyways. So how do we get free of the death grip? How do we do this? We got to talk for a minute about freedom from the illusion. How do we stop living in the fake illusion we have for lives of I have control and I can influence all of this? Well, you see, when you start to really live into reality, you will start to live differently and you will actually start to get free and you'll be able to open your hands up. So what will happen with your perspective if you start seeing reality the right way? Well, this will happen. You'll realize because this life is not the end, I can live in light of eternity. Jesus in Luke 12 says this, don't be afraid. Now that line right there, isn't that just great? God does not want you to live in fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness. God is a God of joy. And you know what God is excited about? It gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Therefore, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. So we're acknowledging right now, your life is a mist. It is. Any money we accumulate, any security we have, it is going to rot and corrode at some point in time. It's not going to last forever. And so Jesus says, you got to change what you view and what you see because there is a life coming of eternal riches. He says, God has a kingdom for you. And if that is the case, if you really see that properly, you don't need to hoard. You don't need to cling to your life with a death grip hoping you can get some sort of false sense of security. There's a man earlier this year, maybe you guys saw this in the news from California, who won a $2 billion lottery prize. Did you guys see this? Over $2 billion. Now, after taxes, that got cut in half. He walked away with a billion, which I would still be okay with, if I'm being honest, okay? So he walked away with a billion dollars. Now, maybe you guys have heard this research before. 70% of anybody who wins any type of lottery will run out of that money at some point. They'll go broke. Now, this guy, you have to imagine he's going to somehow be able to find a way to make this last, right? I mean, if you've got a billion dollars, you better figure that out. Now, let's assume he does everything right. He saves some well. He invests it. He even leaves money behind for like a few generations after him. And he'll still have a lot of money to enjoy a lot of the nice things of this life. That's his best case scenario. Now, even with his best case scenario, he is not taking a penny with him after he dies. He can't do it. There's no bank transfer that sends it to heaven for you, okay? Nobody's invented that yet. That's his best case. And at some point in time, that money will run out. It's going to get wasted by somebody, lost, you know, all those things. It, it is not going to last. It's going it's to rot. It's going to corrode. Now, Jesus challenges that approach to life with something 
pretty, pretty crazy. He says there's an upside and down way to living, a kingdom of God way of life, where your generosity in this life actually becomes an investment into eternity to where you may be giving up money for yourself here, but you are actually investing it for a return beyond anything you could possibly imagine. Your acts of generosity are like buying eternal lotto tickets and every single one has a winning number on it. And so this is what Jesus says. You don't need to do this with your life. You you can let go a little bit. You can be free. You don't have to worry. Don't be afraid. God's got you. There's something coming far beyond this short mist. And you need to make sure you have your eyes on that. But there's another thing that will happen to you if you start living in reality. You will realize because God is in control, I can live with joyful generosity. Paul, Philippians 4 says this, and my God will meet all your needs. Which needs? All of them according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Not only does God have control over your entire life, he's got control of your bank account because it's actually not your money. It's his. It's just in your bank account. That's where he's keeping it right now. And Paul says he knows how to meet your needs. Now, some of us in here are saying, well, Brian, if God really knows how to meet my needs, how come he hasn't done it then? Because I got some very obvious needs. If he has not given it to you, it must be because you actually don't need it as bad as you think you do. He knows what you need and he's going to make sure you get it. And so if you have that mindset of God is my ultimate provider, he is the one I can trust with the ultimate control, even down to my very life. You're going to be able to do this in second Corinthians nine. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver you can joyfully open up your life because you know your life is his. And there is a freedom that starts to pour out where you are not clinging to all the things you think are going to bring you security. The things that you think are going to prevent the hardship in your life. You can truly trust your life to God. Now I want to ask us today as we get ready to close, what are you clinging to right now? What's that thing you just have a death grip on? What are some of those things you're trying to control that God never asked you to even worry about? Because I know there's some people in here, you're like, Brian, okay, that message was fine. You know, six out of 10, B plus, you know, it's fine. But I'm still worried about stuff. Like a lot of stuff has happened, is happening, might happen. And I got some real anxiety about the stuff going on in my life. And I just want to acknowledge for a moment, I get that. Like truly, I get that feeling. I feel it so often. Life is so uncertain. Like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea. And there is a fear and anxiety that could kind of stir up with all the uncertainties of life. And you should do a lot of things to plan and prepare prepare and protect. You should do all the things you can do, but none of that is going to set you free. There's no amount of money that can really set you free. There's no amount of security that can make you feel truly content and safe in this life. And none of it can even provide that. It's an illusion. There's only one thing that can actually set you free. One thing. 
You see, every single one of us in here has control issues. Every single one. Nobody here knows how to perfectly open your hands up to God and give your whole life to him. None of us does it perfectly. But one person has. See, Jesus came into this world and he lived a life of full submission to God. He opened his hands up completely, lived a perfectly sinless life, God in the flesh. And even on the night Jesus was betrayed, he knew what horrible suffering was coming. And in that very moment, you know what Jesus said? Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was the one person who has ever lived who actually had full control over his whole life. He could influence every single outcome any way he wanted to. And even though he was able to do that, he gave it all up. And he left all of the control to his heavenly father, even to the point of his own death. And then Jesus was nailed to a cross. He lost complete control with wide open hands. And in that moment, God used his very life to prove the ultimate control that he has. Because three days later, God raised him from the dead. You wanna talk about God who has control? Let's talk about a God who knows how to defeat death. That is a God who is in control. That is a God who can do anything. And God showed that even the worst death by his power control can be used for his perfect purposes. And so today you need to know God did that for you. He died for you. He gave up control for you. And therefore you can trust him. You can trust him with your vanishing life. You can trust him with what comes after this life. And you can experience the freedom and the joy of letting go of control because you have a God who has ultimate control. So church, let's open up our hands and live in that peace and security of knowing you have a God who has your entire life in his hands. Let's pray together. Lord, we just wanna take a moment, just acknowledge your very presence right here in this room. Holy Spirit, I just wanna invite you in this moment. First off, Lord, we, we give you all the praise and glory you are a God who has all of the power, who has all of the glory, who has all of the control. And we thank you, God, that we truly can trust you with everything in our lives, even the things that are far outside of our control. Lord, I want to pray for a spirit of freedom in this place right now. I know so many of us, we are clinging to things. We are trying to force outcomes. We're trying to make our life look or be a certain way. We're trying to find our security in so many different things and it's not working. We still have the anxiety. We still have the worry. We do not have the peace and contentment that you want us to have. And so Lord, I pray right now in this moment that we would start to loosen up our hands on the things in our lives. And maybe right now in this moment, you, you can think of some of those things. You're like, yes, I got too tight of a grip on this. I worry about it too much. I fret about it too much. I'm losing sleep over it. Maybe even as a symbolic gesture right now, you can just open your hands up right now, just in your life. Just open your hands up. 
and just use this as a moment saying, God, I'm giving this to you. I can't control this. I can't control that person. I can't make that decision for them. I don't know what's going to come, Lord, in this situation. And Father, right now, we, we just lift all of these things up to you. We give them to you, Lord. And Jesus, today, we just remember that if you truly are God, who has the power over sin and death, we can trust everything to you and let us live in the joy and the confidence of knowing we truly have a God who is in ultimate control. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.